the best jobs report ever after the worst jobs report ever. Everything is awesome for everyone, right? No, everything is awesome for almost nobody. We'll talk about that. We'll get right into it. Um, A lot going on this week, folks. The revolution will be televised. It will be tweeted. Um, We're going to get right into that. The country is on fire. Americans, whether they're black, white, young, old, it doesn't matter. In southern states, in western states, in midwestern states, in eastern states, people are getting their ass beat. Um, But there are, in the words of CNBC, some green shoots to be positive about. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 73 of Bizarro World. Of course, we will talk gold and the markets as well. First and foremost, Mr. Hodge, how are you today? I'm doing good, Gerardo. It's not only being televised and tweeted, it's being TikToked and Instagrammed and, and streamed and, and beamed into everyone's brain at a seeming rate of hundreds of images and and videos uh, a minute of, of police hitting um, nonviolent protesters and definitely um, without a doubt assaulting intentionally journalists and um, yeah we're back to all-time highs in stock so like you say plenty to talk about uh, I'm doing good trying not to to be so angry and still trying to affect change how about you same, same. Let's get right into it and let's um let's start with the markets. The the jobs report today um you know led to a surge of over 3% in the Dow were within, you know, range, very close range, a few percentage points away from all-time highs. The Nasdaq, the S&P, these things are going bonkers. Um all on the back of the US economy adding 2.5 million jobs in May the largest single month increase ever. The baseline is important. We're coming off the worst jobs report that we'd ever seen Um, just a few weeks ago. Unemployment supposedly declined to 13.3%. I have my thoughts about that and how sustainable that's going to be. Uh, First and foremost, let me ask you, what do you think of this rally? Oh, well, God, it's <laughs> tough to know what to make of it, right? I mean, uh, there's clearly strength. I mean, going back to uh, all-time highs after uh, what we saw in March on the back of shutdowns because of COVID has just been um, something to behold and and I think uh, historic in nature to, to watch in real time. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of factors to to talk about. And, and I honestly don't know where to start. You say we're coming off the bottom and that's a, that's a hundred percent correct. I mean, there's still some 35 million uh, people out of work. Mm. Uh, we don't know how, how fast those are going to come back. And, and so that's one um, angle of it. Um, we, we don't know how people are going to continue to spend um, when they're not getting $1,200 checks uh, deposited right into their account, which uh, I would have to assume is Mm. Uh, working its way through the system. Um, and, and, and so I don't know how continued stimulus efforts are going to uh, play out. Um, I, I think that some of the uh, upside is is a bit overdone, especially when you look at uh, sectors of the economy that are still severely impacted, like um, air traffic is still down some 85% year over year as far as number of passengers are concerned. And you see the airlines ripping. But um, and let's talk about the other side of it. You got um, uh, money in the market from uh, people that are trading with zero commissions. You've got money in the market that has never um, seen uh, uh, 
a prolonged recession or, or bear market in stocks before. And so there's a bit of naivete, I would have to say. Um, and look, there's a lot of liquidity in the system, which we've talked about before, and that has to go somewhere. And we know that the Fed is buying ETFs. And so um, you're the one, Gerardo, who's who said we could see, <clears throat> you know, uh, rising gold prices uh, uh, alongside rising stock market. And that's exactly what we what we've got here. And so you can take it and run with it from there. I don't know how many more points I can hit on, but there's a lot there's a lot going on. Dollar weakening, um, you know, uh, bond yields ticking up a little bit, uh, all that stuff. I mean, there's just just a lot of moving parts here and um, things were so bad that it's easy to put on. Uh, rose tinted glasses quickly, but um, what was the quote I saw somewhere today? Uh, something about not mistaking the light at the end of the tunnel for the <laughs> end of the tunnel, right? <laughs> well said. A lot of good points there. Um, listen, whether you agree with socialism or not, let's just call this jobs report and the stock market in the US and Europe and Japan. I get it. Um, it's not just us, but we're going to talk US for now because it's the NASDAQ hitting all-time highs. And this is something, by the way, that, as you mentioned, I did anticipate, but I didn't anticipate it happening um, just a month after um, while everybody, for the most part, you know, you mentioned over 35 million people are still unemployed. That's a fact. Unemployment declined to 13.3%. Um, it's Fed stimulus. It's central bank stimulus. It's, you know... Tina's back, right? The, the There is no other alternative is absolutely back in the market. And it's hard to fight a Fed that is buying corporate ETFs and has set up, I believe it's close to 10 special purpose vehicles to circumvent current laws that would prohibit the Fed from buying the stuff that it's doing in a backhanded kind of way. Look, we can play the shuffle game, but the bottom line is most people in America are still hurting. Um, the other, the other point that I think is important to make is, is you know, we have we have people that are being paid to businesses to keep employees on the payroll and to bring them back. That's not going to last forever, and we also know that a lot of these jobs that have gone away, people that are still on the payroll of industries and businesses that will never come back, they're going to fall off. And so, you know, th there's a lot there. I don't believe the green shoots, right? I'm hearing all the corny catchwords on CNBC again. You know, there's there's a lot of green shoots and, you know, there's there's the market is forward looking. I'm seeing all the cliches, all the other all the catchphrases. Um, it's, it's, it's that kind of rhetoric that that leads me to believe um, that, that, that this isn't sustainable. Now that's, I'm talking the economy. I I'm not talking the stock market because again, if your rich uncle comes in and promises to buy everything, well, you could just front run your rich uncle and sell it to him at inflated prices. As long as he keeps buying all's good, right? Well, ab absolutely. And, uh, I don't know if we want to run right there immediately, but um, I, I guess I'm, I'm going to do it. I mean, in, in some respect, you have to think of that as sort of legalized looting, right? I mean, I've been reading a lot of takes about, you know, how private equity loots it here. You're, you know, you're essentially looting the future of the, the next generation or the, the fiscal soundness of the next generation to prop up um, a stock market for a, a small group of people, right? And it's good you made the distinction because the stock market can be fine uh, while the rest of the uh, economy is not. And um, I think that's why there's 
um, you know, so much animosity against the system and so many people um, willing willing to protest, frankly. I mean, um, we got to get to the protests. And so I don't know if we're going to do that now. But, you know, I got to mention George Floyd because I was writing about it in, in the letter this week. I mean, that's the sort of system that has created the, the vast wealth inequality where um, folks can be sitting pretty on one side that own stocks, uh, the 1% or the 10th of a 1% or however you define that, where uh, another large swath of the economy is uh, having to pass off fake $20 bills, right? And so, um, and it's just indicative of the overall situation we're in um, for turning stuff again, both on the, the policy and fiscal side with the actions they're taking to stave off the inevitable, um, right? And then the response you're seeing to it uh, with the population, because let's be clear, I mean, uh, the, what happened in Minneapolis was the, the spark and the, 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 the force and the, the bulk of the protests are about uh, police brutality and racism. Um, but if you think that's the only thing that people are upset about and are marching in the streets for, then I, I think you're sorely mistaken. And it's, it's all related. They're marching in Ireland. They're marching in Germany. They're marching in Puerto Rico, in Brazil. Um, you, you, you put it well, Nick. Yes, George Floyd um, was absolutely the spark and the catalyst. Um, but it didn't help that it took seven days and millions of people around the world protesting, most of them peacefully. And we're going to get to the ones that aren't here in a bit. Um, it took millions of people getting out there and making their voices heard and frankly, subjecting themselves oftentimes to getting their ass beat by a president and police departments and cities and counties and states. The same people and the same institutions we're paying taxes to. We're paying them to beat our ass. And we're going to get to that as well because it's solutions time. I'm not going to get on this podcast every week and just complain about all the horrible, horrible um, injustices that are going on. There was a a police officer in St. Louis, a retired police officer that was, you know, very well loved in the community. He was killed out there defending a pawn shop, one of his friend's pawn shops. Inexcusable, right? Um, so, So we'll get into all of that, all of the collateral damage that's happening. But let's be absolutely clear. Like I said in, in the intro, institutions are showing themselves for what they are. There was a gentleman, a 75-year-old protester, elderly white man in Buffalo, who approaches maybe 20, 30 police officers to have a conversation with them. He is pushed back. He hits his head. He busts his head, head open. He's bleeding, lying on the sidewalk. The officer, if you watch the video, and we'll put a link up to it, the officer that pushed him down was about to hit him. And it was only because another officer grabbed his arm that he didn't follow the push of that elderly man with a baton. The officers, two of them, were suspended. The man went to the hospital. He's currently hospitalized. What's the response of that police department? Was it a police department that came out and said, you know, we, we, we were against this. This is horrible. This is an elderly white man. He presented no threat. Right. I mean, that's that. If we're talking, frankly, in America, an elderly white man is the prototype, non-lethal, non-threatening person to a police officer. Right. That's right. It wasn't a young black kid with like a toy gun. It wasn't, um, you know, 
It wasn't the kid in Chicago that had a knife and though he was 100 feet away, the cop shot him, you know, in the back 16 times. It, it wasn't that. It's an elderly white man just going up to, to, to have a conversation with his local police department that he paid taxes for years to protect him, beating his ass. And so the police department responded by 57 officers resigning in quote unquote solidarity with him. Well, you got to back up a second, even first, Gerardo, because the first response from the police department was that the gentleman tripped and fell. That was the initial response from the <laughs> Buffalo Police Department. And in the in the ensuing two hours of Twitter mayhem, um, it was literally the only video I saw in my feed for like 15 minutes at one point last night. Uh, they came, they reissued the statement and then suspended the two officers. Right. And then. That's the and then what you say is perfect, because um, that's the sort of mentality and culture you're dealing with, where the other 55 members of the team resign because two of them got suspended for pushing a 75 year old man to the ground. And if that doesn't sum up the entire police mentality and culture for you, then you're not going to get it. And sadly, uh, there's a lot of people that aren't going to get it. Um, Family members of mine included that are just. Um, either too beholden to authority um, or need authority in their lives or, or just, um, I don't know, I, incapable of uh, perceiving the injustice that occurs and the brutality that occurs at the hands of um, thousands of, of police officers on a, on a daily basis. Let's contrast that. Um, let's contrast that with what I hear um, from some very well-intentioned uh, people um, that frankly give me, give me, give me hope. And, 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 and I do believe, I do believe that there is, there is absolutely fundamental change and structural change that will come of this. And we're going to get into that as well. This might be a long podcast, y'all. I'm warning you now. Um, I had a letter, I had someone write in and I won't say her name just out of respect for her privacy. Um, but she was just from outside Minneapolis where all this, you know, uh, initially was set off. Right. And, um, the letter came in, I received it on Monday, last Monday. So the last Bizarro World podcast that, that we published, um, I, I got it later that afternoon. So this is the first time I've had an, uh, an opportunity to address that. And, you know, she, she, she's a subscriber of yours. She's a subscriber of mine. Um, to our various newsletters. She has been for years. She says she's always enjoyed the podcast. Um, you know, and, and, and then she, she had some points. She had concerns, you know. She, she, she was specific in that she was a late 50s, mid 50s white woman from the suburbs. And, you know, she said there's people that are shooting guns, you know, running up and down the street just shooting guns. Um, a pawn shop was robbed. Guns were stolen. And so... You know, she said she's encouraging her friends and her peer group to have a dialogue about about how how they can help and how they can move the conversation forward. But she also has a hard time reconciling, um, you know, looters and rioters um, and, 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 and why they're allowed to get away with what they're getting away with and why we're advocating for them. And I want to be absolutely clear. Every rioter. And every looter should be afforded justice under the law. That's what our country is built on. That is the only thing that separates us from many other countries and unfortunately less so by the day. It's, it's the rule of law, right? The respect 
of, of, of rights, of private rights and process. And I'm seeing a lot of that suspended this week. Um, so to be absolutely clear um, to that thoughtful woman that wrote in with the thoughtful you know, dialogue, um, nobody, I, be- I don't believe anybody, including the mostly peaceful protesters, millions and millions of people have protested. And every time I see an instance of looting, I see 10, 20, 30 people, instigators, agitators, um, doing what they were doing before these protests and doing what they're going to do after, which is loot and riot. And to that, I say, I want my tax dollars channeled to go arrest those peace, those people. Not, not, I don't want to turn on the TV and see a military chopper flying overhead on peaceful protesters. I don't want to turn on the TV and see a 75-year-old elderly man thrown on the ground with his head busted open by the same police department we pay. I don't want to turn on the TV and see our president announce a curfew and then for a photo op, come in 30 minutes before the curfew and authorize pepper spray, tear gas, you call it whatever you want. They lied about that too. They said they didn't do that except that we saw it because we're all watching now. I, I, I don't want my tax dollars for going there. I don't want military choppers flying overhead on American citizens when they're peaceful protesters. Why is it that our police departments cannot get a hold of the rioting and the looting and focus their energies there as opposed to focusing their energies on beating peaceful protesters? I'm starting to think they don't want to. I'm starting to think they don't want to, Nick. And I'm sorry to cut you off. I got to keep going with this. I see 20 or 30 officers. There's one, and I'll put a link to it too. There's a young lady earlier. Again, it's not, it's not, this is not a black and white thing. I said that last week, and I want to be clear about it. It's not. Everybody's getting their ass beat now. There's a young white girl. I forget in what city and what state because I can't keep up anymore. You know, she's in the middle of the process. She reaches out to the cop to say something. He turns around. He swings a baton and cracks her over the head with it. I don't even know what her medical condition is right now. If that was my child, So to that, to that lady, to that woman that wrote in, and I encourage her to write back in again, I'd love to continue the dialogue. I encourage you to, to, to keep the conversations fact based. We are a country of laws. We are a country built on, on, on protest. If you love your country, like I love my country, we have to continue to contribute in ways that better it. Um, you know, there's a lot that's really broken my heart this past week. It hasn't surprised me, but it, it, it's really, 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 really made me think that the approach to our institutions, it isn't just enough, um, to indict the four officers now that now all four have been indicted right in Minneapolis that that killed George Floyd that's not enough um it, it, it it's time for immunity for prosecutors to go away it's time for immunity for police officers to go away it's time for police departments um to get defunded and if we have to scrap them and start from 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 scratch you know what I know there's a lot of good police officers out there I have friends and acquaintances that are police officers that have spoken up about this. 
I know if we scrap police departments and defund them and restructure the way we police ourselves because it's our money. They exist because of us. I know that good people will step up and like the 55, 56, 57 people um, that resigned in solidarity, stay the fuck away. I don't want you being a part of a police department that's policing, that's supposed to protect and serve. You know how many times we've heard in, in, in the last, you know, 35 years of my life since I really started paying attention to this, that, you know, the police aren't here to, to prevent crime. They're there to enforce laws and rules. Well, then enforce them. And if you can't do that without killing American citizens, without beating American citizens, you can't go get the people that really are protesting violently, rioting, looting. You want to go get the protesters that are doing it the right way? It's got to change. It's got to change. Oh, well, 100%. And things are already starting to change. And I guess I can start there because I was taking notes while you were talking and now I'm going to talk for a while. So, I mean, first of all, you saw Minneapolis ban chokeholds today. I mean, it's uh, amazing that they weren't already banned, but hmm. um, they've taken that they've taken that action already. And they are talking about disbanding the entire Minneapolis Police Department. Um I've seen, for example, Lego has announced they're not going to advertise any Lego sets with police in them anymore and are going to uh, allocate that ad spend budget. Um, Four million dollars, I think, was the total I saw to uh, donate to, to racial justice causes. Um, and I've also seen a lot of talk about um, the way we portray police in uh, film and TV, um, which I've long thought contributed to um not only embolden the police, but how citizens feel about police. I mean, you watch 7,200 seasons of CSI bumfuck and you start to think that, um, you know, that's how police are supposed to act. Now, let me get away from that for a second um, and turn towards more um, other solutions, I guess, uh, is where I'll stay for a second. And then I'll go on. I mean, you have um, a lot of organizations out there. There's one called Campaign Zero, which I've been contributing funds to. Um, and they have, uh, for example, a thing called Eight Can't Wait. And it's eight steps that uh, police precincts mm -hmm. uh, around the country can uh, ascribe to that have been shown to drastically reduce de deaths uh, at the hands of police when they're implemented. And I guess I'll just read the eight real quick. Those are ban chokeholds and strangleholds, require de-escalation, require warning before shooting. Mm. Uh, required to exhaust all alternatives before shooting, a duty to intervene, ban shooting at moving vehicles, require use of force continuum, and require comprehensive uh, reporting. And they have other steps you can take as well. Um, you talked about qualified immunity, and I guess I'll spend a minute or so there. That's not even an official uh, policy that ever came through uh, a legislative body. That's sort of a piecemeal framework that's uh, occurred through uh, a litany of Supreme Court uh, decisions since the 1960s. Um, and they are now taking that up. Uh, they said yesterday that uh, they discussed it uh, amongst the Supreme Court justices. And on Monday, they'll have um, an announcement of, of what they're going to do with that. And let me just explain qualified immunity for a second, because there's not even like one definition. It's basically um, the interpretation of a judge. I'll just give you an example. Um, 
there was a case, I forget what state, but I can look it up and post a link where uh, cops stole $100,000 worth of coins when they were from somebody's house when they were making an arrest. Um, and the person sued to get the coins back. Uh, but the judge ruled, and this is the sort of what qualified immunity hinges on, is, uh, is there a pre-established right that was violated? And the judge can just rule in every case, no. And in this case, there was, you can guess it, Gerardo, there was no, uh, there was no pre-established right for you to expect to not have your coin stolen. That was like the ruling, right? And so they didn't have to give them back. And that's on and on. They just essentially make shit up. That's what qualified immunity is. Um, and so getting rid of that is a key piece because it's a, it's a safety blanket under which these thugs know they can get away with stuff and, and make no mistake, they're thugs. I mean, just watch the videos. Um, it's not hard to infer that in many cases they are enjoying this. Um, it, it's not hard to see that at all. And so let me talk about the, the woman that wrote in because uh, I read what she uh, wrote as well. And she made some good points, but she also obfuscates a bit mm-hmm. um, and, gets a, and gets a couple of things wrong. Right? I, I was so, going to go there, <laughs> but please, please. Yeah. Let, let's talk about obfuscation. You mentioned the tear gas thing. Well, it doesn't matter if it's tear gas or gas that causes tears. That's not like the argument, the semantic argument we need to be having. And oh, by the way, it was tear gas. They said today, Gerardo, an hour before we started uh, recording this podcast. Was <laughs> of course it was. Because so, so, I saw it and uh, I saw the reaction. <laughs> Exactly. And so when you can see something happening in front of your eyes and they tell you it's different, that the gentleman uh, tripped, that it wasn't tear gas, they're just clearly obfuscating. Um, And I guess two points on this woman's email. One is that um, it it seemingly always comes back to Kaepernick. And when you try the most (laughs) peaceful route, they don't want to hear that either. Right. And when you try uh, nonviolent protests, they enact curfews and start beating you five minutes after the curfew is um, supposedly in action. And so that's how they stomp out the protest. It's not until, um, and you can cite any fucking revolution or, or protest in history. It's not until, um, you know, there's images of uh, broken glass and, and smoke and flames that people start to get um, involved and things start to change. And so in that respect, um, I, I, I won't say welcome, but I understand uh, why the protests took the direction they did. But one thing I want to address in her email was uh, about the good cops, because I'm tired of this good cop thing. Realizing most police officers are good people, but it's a very tough job. And you said it. There's there's some good ones. But you can't you can't hinge on that argument when you've got literally dozens, 55 in this case, uh, police officers resigning because they don't want to be held accountable for pushing a 75-year-old to the ground. Um, are, are those the good cops you're talking about? Because I fail to see, I fail to see the goodness in these cops. And uh, I think that's, I guess, all I got on that part of it. But you can't be a good cop if you're resigning because you don't want to be held accountable. Um, what else? Um, oh, can, can, I want to talk can, about- can, can I insert something really quick? Because this is relevant, sure. and then I'll let you get back to it. And and and, and w- one other point I wanted to make, and I know you're likely headed there, but we got to break up these police unions. These police unions are the enablers. Here's here's a message, really quick, from the police union in Buffalo. These guys did nothing but do what they were ordered to do. That was the statement from the police union in Buffalo in response to the 75-year-old elderly man getting pushed to the ground and having his head cracked open. 
Yeah, there's no need for unions. The police uh, work for the people. If there's a uh, a union, it needs to be a community oversight board. That needs to be these guys' mm-hmm. unions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they need to be held accountable to the people, and and that's about it. They don't need um, the same sort of people that um, you know organize auto workers and such uh, working for them. That's not how. Uh, it, it should be in America at all. And the last thing I was going to get to was this outside agitator thing because mm. I've been seeing this. I've been seeing this a lot, and I, it's tough, really tough, to figure out because you know there's political undertones and there's uh, social media hackery, and there's a lot of Machiavellian shit going mm. on with um, strategy and. People tweeting as Antifa, but they're really far right groups. And that's a and fact. That was proven. The FBI has the, said this. This isn't Nick and Gerardo and Bizarro World saying that there are white supremacists posing as Antifa and setting up online accounts. This was what the FBI discovered and concluded. No doubt. And it's an easy scapegoat um, for for police and 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 politicians to use. Here in Spokane, um, which had protests last weekend. Um, in which a Nike store door ended up getting broken down and the Nike store looted. Um, we're citing immediately outside agitators, um, Antifa, um, but without proof, right? The the sheriff just said he had um, an inside tip that that said that people were planning on coming to Spokane to, to disrupt. Well, here we are, um, you know, five, six days later, the, the media, local media is going through all the police records. And guess what, Gerardo? Um, <laughs> of everybody that was arrested, there's nobody from out of town. No so way. <laughs> but they stick to the narrative. It, the, the, the mayor um, made a, a release saying that, um, you know, we're not walking back the statement. It's time to look forward. Um, etc. And it's like, but you, you, you're blaming this on groups that was clearly false, and you're not going to walk back that statement. And that doesn't do anything to to help anything, really. Um, you lying and being caught. And so, God, that's a little here, little old Spokane. I can't imagine what's going on around the the rest of the country. Um, and I, I don't know if it's relevant here or not. But the other thing I'm seeing is places where there's no protests, like bumfuck Idaho, where no one is going to go protest. You got these armed militia coming out um, and like protecting their streets, talking about like, uh, that's why we don't have any protest here. That's why there's no Antifa, because well, we're exercising our right to um, assemble with weapons and no one would dare do that here. Um, and I, I'm not sure that that that's helpful either. right? Cause, I, I'll add to uh, that really quick, though, Nick. Let me add to that. There, there, there were incredible protests in Boise. And, and there's a video, and, and, and I'll try to find a link. I'll send it to you. But there's a video of, you know, I, I don't want to say he was a white supremacist, but definitely uh, libertarian-minded, believes in the Second Amendment, as I do, um, believes that you're not just going to come into the neighborhood regardless of what your color or cause is and tear shit up because you're not doing that in my neighborhood either. Nobody is, including the police. It's not going to happen. It's going to end differently, right? And so he went out there, and he had his legally um, registered AR-15 or assault rifle, and he was on the street. And he said, well, I'm out here because I was told, you know, by the my, by my community of like-minded people that Antifa was coming down. And I and they interviewed this guy on the news and he's like, I haven't seen anyone. Not only have I not seen anyone, I'm only seeing peaceful protesters. And I actually agree with a lot of the government interference that they're protesting about. So I'm, I'm, I'm he said, I'm glad that, you know, that hasn't been the case. Just haven't found any Antifa to defend against here. 
Um, so again, to your point about people running with that narrative and that, you know, Antifa label that is becoming synonymous with anybody who doesn't kneel and lick boots. Right, exactly. And you would think that uh, some of these libertarian or, or conservative small government people, uh, if they could get outside of their um, whatever news channel they watch and, and their small little bubble, they would realize that some of the things that are being protested for are in line with their political beliefs. Smaller government, less petty crime laws on the books, et cetera, et cetera. Right. This is the libertarian fucking moment where we're supposed to rise up against both parties and say, no, you are not doing this to our country. This is not how it's going to happen. You are not bringing tanks and, and armored vehicles and military choppers and flying them, you know, feet above the heads of American citizens. If all they're doing is protesting peacefully and you have a big enough police department where you should be able to handle the rioters and the looters that are not being peaceful because guess what? The peaceful protesters don't want them there either. They dilute the message. I've seen numerous instances of peaceful protesters stepping up and stopping rioters and looters and say, no, 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 no. You're not doing that here because they're going to come and beat us. Get out of here with that shit. So we have to start having better conversations. There's a lot of so-called well-known libertarians that are quiet as church mice. One thing I've been noticing myself feeling is that um, I've seen a little Biden surge here, right? And he's put together a, a little plan to operate in the police. And it's just sort of uh, a little disheartening that... Um, <laughs> That's the guy that's going to have to take up this baton, right? Because there is no other candidate. And in that respect, um, I'm a little less encouraged because um, this is a person who's had his shot, right? I mean, he's been in the system for 40 years. Um, he's had multiple swings at the pinata, Gerardo, to, to fix these issues. And we're supposed to expect that he's going to do it now. Um, and that's why I sort of like this more uh, direct action um, new organizations uh, demanding change as, as, as opposed to um, putting your uh, faith and, and political will behind a, a candidate. I'd, I'd much rather put it behind an idea and an organization that is working to back that idea directly. We have to become a country that backs and finances ideas, not people, not cartoon characters. I had, I had the president of the United States beat up the press, beat up kids, beat up women, beat up peaceful protesters so he could hold the Bible upside down. Even, even the priest was pissed. I, I have generals. I have former chief of staff, That's John it. Kelly. I have Mr. Mattis. General I, Mattis. Yep. I have, I have, these are people that have served the country. Serve the country, have fought. If you respect your military, you can't tell me that their words shouldn't have any sway over, over, over what's going on. Here's a quote from John Kelly, former chief of staff. I think we need to look harder at who we elect. I think we should look at people that are running for office and put them through the filter. What is their character like? What are their ethics? I mean, the fact that I even got to read that stupid statement and, and, and be like, ooh, 
wise words from former <laughs> chief of staff John Kelly. The fact that this is an epiphany for people should be should be a, a wake up call for everybody with whom that statement rings as a realization or an epiphany. If 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 that is something that 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 in your mind you say, wow, we should do that. That means you're behind the curve, people. Um, and again, I, I I am encouraged. There are a lot of things um, that 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 I'm hopeful for. Um, the dialogue is good. Um, to the woman that wrote in, please write back. I encourage you to have dialogue with your community, with your friends. You know, she mentioned in that letter that her kids were out there helping clean up. You know, that gives me hope. Um, but please, please, people, we have to start having fact-based conversations. Not what CNN tells you just because they tell it to you. Not because Fox says it to you. That doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it untrue either. I'm asking people to use critical thinking skills because moving forward, we cannot continue to allow people abusing the institutions that are set up by us for us. An abuse of power should be held to a much higher standard if, if, if it's committed by the people that we elect to carry out the mission of the institution. I don't know why that's a hard concept for people to grasp. Yes, if you see a rioter, if you see a looter, go arrest their ass and lock them up and charge them. That's what you get paid for. That's why you get pensions. That's why you have a job. You don't like it, go do another job. But those officers are held to a higher standard and they should be. I mean, we talk about qualified immunity, right? We talk about immunity for police officers and district attorneys. Don't even get me going on how many of these people that are agitators and rioters are probably confidential informants trying to get out of another situation. You know how, why we'll never know? Because they don't keep records on that. They don't ever tell you how many people that were arrested for something were, you know, they, they, they don't ever tell you how much was spent because there's professional snitches, right? That do this for a living. They don't tell you why they get paid. They don't tell you the results of their work for law enforcement. You'll never know as a citizen, your, your money, our money goes to pay these people. We'll never know the good or bad that came of it. But I know my history. I know how many confidential informants were in Harlem when Malcolm X got killed. I know how many confidential informants went around, were around when Bobby Kennedy got killed. I know they were littered in Dallas when JFK got his head blown off in public. No accountability. That was the 60s. We're in 2020. And it's our money. Our money facilitates that. That has to change. We're not asking for change. We have to demand it. And if not, tear it down. That's it. They've been able to create a, a closed loop a closed loop system with no uh, transparency and no accountability. And they've even been able to dismantle the mechanisms by which they would be held uh, to be made transparent and held accountable. Um, and all that stuff um, has to change. And, and that closed loop system that has uh, made them that way has also created what has always been unconstitutional. And that's essentially the creation of a standing army in the United States, because we haven't even talked about the militarization yet, really. And that's the transfer of literally billions of dollars in uh, military equipment that's gone to these folks um, that has only served to embolden them, right? In their closed loop system, where they think that 
everyone is their enemy and only their fellow um, officer has their back. The thin blue line, right, Gerardo? Mm. Um, and and you take that culture um, and you give them, uh, you know, the cargo pants with the, the thigh strap holster and the shoulder pads and the shield and the baton. Well, that only serves to embolden them um, and they can get whatever they want. I was reading a, a story yesterday, an article um, about how this guy just basically created his own uh, police organization. <laughs> he made an organization and made it sound like it was uh, a, a police organization. And he was able to get $1.2 million worth of night vision goggles and ingredients to make uh, plastic explosives within like 30 days and uh, with scant checks. And so um, you can't be given cops that sort of equipment um, all willy nilly. And certainly at that scale. And, and that's one of the solutions that has uh, been brought about uh, as well. And you're right. It's you can't ask for it anymore. You have to demand. And that's why, uh, at least for me, I'm, I'm content not to let this issue go. And you know what? Also, Gerardo, it makes people uncomfortable. Like I had my mother-in-law and, and her sister, who would be my aunt here uh, for a week. And they're in their, in their late 50s, right? Um we're too young to see the stuff in the 60s, so don't have a sense of that history. Um, and so just don't understand really the caliber and nature of the problem. And when you talk about it, when you show them that, well, first of all, when you talk about it, they want to pretend it doesn't exist. Um, and then when you show them the videos in their face, they quickly want to turn the conversation um, or make you feel like you're sort of um, over the top or overbearing for wanting to continue talking about it. And Frankly, I'm just over that, man. Roll your eyes at me all you want. Try to shut down the conversation all you want uh, or make up all the boneheaded arguments you want. I'm not going to relent. What was one argument I saw this week? Just to lighten it up a second. Oh, I saw a picture of a, a police officer from Richmond, Virginia, who had a, a giant Nazi symbol on his forearm mm -hmm. that was that that was visible while he was in uniform, which is something else that should not be allowed when you're a police officer. Um we fought uh, a world it, war to get rid of Nazis. Why is being against well, fascists listen, so fucking controversial th in this country? Th that's, that's what I said. I said, maybe I said, I think I said it tongue in cheek. I said, I want, I, I want all my cops to have forearm swastika tattoos. And you know what the, you know what the response was from something on, from somebody on Twitter was um, that that's not a Nazi symbol that, that just because that symbol was adopted by the Nazis, that's not why that gentleman has that tattoo on his forearm. That was the response of someone on Twitter to me. I mean, and so if you have to do those sort of mental calisthenics, I mean, come on, Gerardo. The same people that are screaming from the rooftops about the protesters and confusing them with the rioters and the looters because they're different groups. The same people that are just up in arms about, you know, we can't allow the rioting and the looting and, 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 you know, America's rights be damned if that's what has to happen. Cause property is apparently the, the, the number one concern in America right now. Um, these same people can't grasp the concept and I'm not, I'm not speaking specifically, you know, to, 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 to people around you, Nick, I'm saying in general, can't grasp the concept of just accountability for everybody. I don't want special accountability for police officers. I just want accountability so that, you know, there, there, there was a, this broke my heart earlier too, man. There's, 
there's there's this uh, black woman that was protesting and she was cuffed and she went peacefully and and then then the cop got a little rough with her and she said hey you know lighten up and the guy started yelling and and her little girl there's there's this video and the little girl walks up and says mom don't yell at them he'll shoot you hmm. and this kid was like six years old man kids at six shouldn't have a concept that the police will shoot you if you yell if you yell because they're being rough that's just I don't know how we got down this rabbit hole where that's okay and even with concrete proof they'll deny the government will deny the police departments will de- it will deny they'll lie and when they can no longer lie or deny they'll they'll, they'll say we got to look forward no we have to look now I saw a video of a black teenager. You might have seen it as well. I can dig up a link. He was reciting um, basically all the rules that his mom had given him for when he goes in public. He was 16 years old. You know, don't drive with a do-rag on. Don't drive in a muscle t-shirt. Don't drive with the music turned up. Uh, Make sure you have a receipt every time you leave the store. It's like stuff that would never even cross my mind, right? Yep. And then... um, just because I've been so pissed off and I've been seeing all these videos, hmm. you know, you got people that um, are clearly, um, well, racist or don't want change to happen. Did you see the video of the, the white guy in the park in in Maryland that started taking the flyers out of the little girl's hands? Like, yeah. Oh, man, you talk about if that was my kid, Gerardo. Oh, my God. I don't even know what would have happened if he had grabbed my little girl like that. And so... Mm. Um, mm. I saw on Twitter that they thought they found him and it was a different person. I, I have to look into that name. But yeah, I mean, come on, to put your hands on a on a little girl for putting up flyers. I mean, um, I mean, come on, fourth turning. I mean, that's exactly it. How old do you think that guy was, Gerardo? And so um, that's another thing I've been in, increasingly seen mentioned this week is the fourth turning because um, it's a crisis and. Um, it's oftentimes a violent crisis with bloodshed. Um, and I know one of your favorite quotes, Gerardo, is also that um, mm. the tree of liberty from time to time needs to be refreshed with the blood of uh, patriots and tyrants. And so, um, look, I think you're seeing a lot of that. And I believe in the tree of liberty. Yeah, no I've, doubt. Yeah, I've, 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 I've talked endless times. You know, both my parents live in Mexico. They worked in this country for 35 years. Um, you know, came here and built a life for themselves, gained citizenship under Ronald Reagan, you know, contributed, raised three kids. We're all each doing different things, you know, to better our communities and, 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 and to help those around us. And, 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 and America has afforded incredible opportunities. Um, but, but there's a lot that, that, that needs, um, that needs overhauling and, 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 and change. And, and, and again, the youth that's been out there doing it the right way, protesting peacefully, standing up for themselves, getting their ass beat. Um, you know, while this president's in a fucking bunker, you know, he just built another wall. <laughs> we <laughs> paid for that off. one too, with the light, turning the lights off. It, it, it doesn't get- How any- symbolic. Good gracious, I was just going to say, it doesn't get any more 2020 cowardly lion than in the White House- in a bunker with the lights off 
while your officers and the military you called in against peaceful protesters, because again, they weren't required to get rid of the looters and the rioters. The police department could have done that were they not too busy beating up the press and the innocent protesters, the peaceful protesters. But it doesn't get any more 2020 cowardly lion than the White House dark and this guy in his bunker tweeting his tough tweets. Meanwhile, generals and former chiefs of staff and military men that have served this country proudly are doubted and questioned, <laughs> ironically, for working for him. They say, oh, well, they're just bitter. You got to be kidding me, folks. We have to step up as a country. I, I've said it. You know, I said it when, when <laughs> we couldn't stop having a mass shooting every week, it seemed like, and definitely every month. I said that over a year and a half ago. This is episode 73, right? We've been doing this for a little bit now. We didn't just start talking about these things last week or two weeks ago when it became cool to do it. But I said it then, we're not as divided as the powers that be would like to portray us. We're not. I know we're not because I look around at, at my, my circle of people that I care about, that I love, that I trust. That, that, that I do business with people like you, Nick, people are, you know, friends and acquaintances, all different political persuasions, all backgrounds, some college educated, some barely went to high school, some love Trump, some hate Trump, some got here illegally, some have been here for four generations. Um, at the end of the day, I know we're not that different. People want upward mobility. People want to be treated equally. People want accountability, equal accountability for everybody and a badge does not exempt you from that. And that's well, all I got. I could go on forever. No, but it makes the a large contingent of the um, populace uh, complacent because they feel okay because the um, quote-unquote bad things, and this is going to get a little esoteric, Gerardo, have been outsourced, right, to almost like the prison industrial complex where it's like, we're not those people doing those things. We're not George Floyd bouncing $20 uh, fake bills or whatever. So we're not the problem with society. Um, and that's quite frankly uh, wrong. I mean, if you look at the statistics, you look at just the, the math in black and white and you'll see um, the outsized way in which um, black folks are incarcerated for extended periods of time uh, for petty crimes. We haven't talked about sort of like the broken windows angle of this, right? And it's very convenient for uh, white folks to point to that. And I saw it all the time growing up. Uh, whatever, those people in the down on Booth Street on their food stamps or whatever, we're not like them, right? Um, until uh, a cop is, is, is hitting your daughter in the face with a baton, right? And so um, I didn't really do that justice, but America has done a really good job of outsourcing uh, things that are reflective of the entire society to a very small portion of society and punishing them uh, for them, um, not commensurately. I hope that made a bit of sense. That, 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 that made a lot of sense, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to speak for white America <laughs> because I frankly don't know what that experience is like. Um, the closest thing I have to it is being a relatively light-skinned Mexican kid, right? Ethnicity, I'm Mexican. Both my parents are Mexican. I'm American because I was born here. Mexican-American. But ethnicity-wise, I'm Mexican. But I'm a light-skinned kid. When I go back to Mexico, 
I see how they treat the darker colored, more Indian looking Mexicans versus how they treat me. That's as much as I know about privilege, right? So I don't, I don't, I don't mean to speak for white America, but I'll say this. It sounds like to me, like white America believes that the looters and, and the rioters only affect white America. There, there was a retired police captain from the St. Louis Police Department that was working security at a friend's pawn shop. David Dorn, 77 years old, grandfather, was just there at two in the morning protecting it from the same rioters and looters that everybody wants to be arrested and protected from. And there was an altercation and he ended up being shot and he lost his life. You know, there, there, there's an old, you know, bringing it back. One of my favorite songs is, is, and one of my favorite artists, Tupac Shakur, right? He's got a song called Changes. It, it samples an old Bruce Hornsby song. Um, and, and it's a great song. And there's this great quote in this interview with him where he says, you know, America acts like black people or minorities want the rapist next to them or want the murderer next to them or want the thief next to them. Most people, regardless of color, are not the murderer, the rapist, the thief, the rioter, the looter. Most pe people are the peaceful protesters that want protection too, equal protection. They just want the accountability that goes with that. It's not a black and white issue, everybody. It's an accountability issue. Everybody has to be accountable. I want the pieces of shit that killed that retired police captain. I want them to get the exact same treatment that the officers that killed Mr. Floyd are getting. And that, and thankfully now it's four of them charged, four of them have been arrested and, 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 you know, that's a start, but the world isn't protesting for those four officers to get charged. Though, again, the fact that it took seven, eight days for that to happen, it didn't take seven or eight days for Mr. Floyd to get arrested for suspicion of passing a fake $20 bill or writing a bad $20 check, whichever it is. It was immediate. It was immediate. No, that's it. It has to be reflective, not suspended with pay, not retired with benefits and then transfers to another station uh, held entirely accountable. And one other point that just popped into my head is that those other officers in Minneapolis that were, that had been arrested uh, now for the killing of <laughs> George Floyd, they had only been on the job for a couple of uh, weeks. They were. Yeah, exactly. They were being trained. And so um, what I was thinking about last night is. Yep. This is exactly how yep. the cycle gets perpetuated. Absolutely. That was the training they were receiving. It's okay to kill someone with a knee on their neck. That's how we do things around here, boys. Correct. I want to read a statement from the gentleman, the elderly gentleman that was pushed down by the cops in Buffalo. His name is Martin, and I'm going to butcher his last name because I do that often, but Martin Gugino. He said... He talked about the arc of the moral universe bending toward justice. And here's his statement. It doesn't bend itself. We have to bend it. We have to go out into the culture and act justly, act morally, do good. And little by little, it will bend the culture towards justice. That's it. My wife and I had a conversation this week, you know, and she, tears coming down her face and, you know, we're having this conversation about what we can do, you know, to, to, to help, to, to help change and, and to help further change. And, you know, we had a long conversation and, and, you know, the summary of that was there is no one answer. It's keep acting justly, 
keep acting morally, do good, and little by little, it will bend the culture towards justice. We have mass leverage and momentum right now, people, as a society. And we have have technology. So in addition to donating, I think I've mentioned some places already, Unicorn Riot, Campaign Zero, obviously Black Lives Matters uh, and related uh, affiliations. But things that I've been seeing have been absolutely incredible. Like um, yesterday, I sent a, a letter to the mayor of Louisville about holding the police officers accountable for the murder of Breonna Taylor. And I did that with one click of a button from Twitter through, uh, I don't know what you call it, probably an, an API that someone had sent up. So I just clicked the thing. I typed my name. I pressed go. And boom, I had sent a letter voicing my concern uh, for that situation to the mayor of of Louisville, as I'm sure thousands, if not more, other people did, right? Because some guy um, who is tech savvy took the time to say, this is what I can contribute, right? Absolutely. Last week um, on Monday, when we published uh, the latest uh, Bizarro World episode, we did put a link up that um, the, the the lady that wrote into us was kind enough to send on, on how we could, you know, use the platform responsibly to to, to, to enable people to contribute if they wanted to contribute to the cleanup efforts in Minneapolis. And that was generous of her. Um, I, I'm hoping, Nick, that you can provide the same link to those organizations that you just mentioned so that if anybody out there wants to provide, um, you know, a donation or feedback or ideas or, you know, whatever it may be, um, so, so, so they have that opportunity. I think it's important. I've even seen, and now I'm just going to talk about positive things for a second because that was a pretty... A brutal 55 minutes is like uh, somebody set up a YouTube channel that's just like a playlist that like a lot of people listen to playlists while they're working throughout the day or working out or jogging or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, and they generate ad revenue because ads are played through YouTube or whatever or hosted on the site. And so if you just leave open this YouTube page all day and let it stream the music, um, the revenue from the ads it plays will get donated to appropriate causes, all sort of stuff like that popping up. Awesome. Awesome. So again, to summarize, whether it's the Fed, central banks around the world, police departments, the church, and again, I don't knock anybody's faith. I knock the corruption and, and, and the cover-up that, that makes a mockery of people's faith, right? Um, what, what, whatever major institution we were taught to have faith in, maybe at some point, there was a lot of merit there and there was real reason to be optimistic and, and, and real reason to follow. It's like having a good leader, right? It feels good to follow a good leader. There's things you do, Nick, that I am so happy to follow because I know it's sound. I know it's wise. I know it's, it's, it's well thought out. It's intelligent. feels fantastic. Nick runs the Outsider Club. I write for the Outsider Club. <laughs> you know how many times I've been censored in the past? four years since I, 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 I was able to sign on and then Nick brought me aboard. Zero. That's how many times. And sometimes we agree on things. Rarely do we disagree. I look for things to disagree with Nick on and, and, and unfortunately or fortunately, we don't find a lot of stuff we disagree on. But if there ever was a thing that we disagreed on, it'd be done civilly and respectfully and it would be fact-based. Our institutions are not good leaders anymore. And, um, you know, you're getting it from everywhere. You're getting it. We can take the PPP program and where the money went and who applied for it and who had to give it back. And they only gave it back because somebody shone a light on the Lakers taking 9 million. Harvard just being allocated money without even applying for it, right? So whether it's corporations, 
whether it's the Fed, whether it's the churches, whether it's the police department, whether it's, you know, attorney generals and senators and our dumbass politicians on both sides of it, it all needs to get overhauled. Um, and, and, and the time to do it isn't looking forward. The time to do that is now one little bit at a time. And all of us have a different amount of leverage and responsibility and ability, but it is incumbent on us to use and maximize whatever ability and leverage we have to contribute. This country depends on it. Society depends on it. Keep the foot on the gas instead of the throat, as it were. Mm. Mm. We didn't talk about gold, Nick. Let's let's talk about gold. Is the gold rally over? <laughs> um, no, gold bugs gold... freaking out because gold's back at sixteen eighty. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I think I wrote last week that gold didn't want to be below seventeen hundred, and I saw it pulling back to to around that seventeen hundred dollar level this week, and I almost went back out with a gold long, and and I thought better of it just because of. The other stuff I saw materializing the strength in the broader market, and, and boy, I, I'm glad I didn't. But um, no, I think that um, the pullback below $1,700 is um, okay. I firmly think we're still in a gold bull market. And oh, what did I do today? I think I bought myself a $20 Liberty today, Gerardo. So I'm good with 1680 gold. I like it. And look, I, I, the, the, I'll worry if it breaks below 1500 Right, I, I sent an alert out to subscribers this morning, and we talked about a company that that I'm incredibly bullish on, um, and and I said, look, <laughs> I could care less about 1680 or 1640 or 1600, and frankly, if the juniors sell off, it's an opportunity to add. I'm not in this for the summer of 2020. This is a cycle that I believe will last for a good part of this decade, frankly, because I don't see volatility, despite what the volatility index tells you, which you know fell below 24, right at 24 today. Anything below 30 tends to be relatively stable. Right. Um, I don't see volatility in general um, easing up. Look at our leaders. Look at the people in charge. Look at the people we've elected. I'm not just talking about the big orange guy, the Trumpster. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about local leaders. I'm talking about state leaders. I am talking about um, <laughs> I'll give you an example. I, I, I talked about the press last week and how it was doing. My words were a piss poor job of framing you know, uh, the, the, the headlines of, of the articles that they were, um, they, they, they were putting out there. My brother used to work for the New York times. Um, <laughs> so, so what happens on, 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 on Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, they, they, they pitched, they pitched Senator Tom Cotton, a, uh, a, an article. They asked him if he would write an article about why the military had to come in to regain control. And in the words of Donald Trump, dominate American citizens. Got to get out there and dominate. Got to get out there and dominate. So when the Buffalo Police Union, I hate to bring it back, but when the Buffalo Police Union says those officers did what they were told to do, they're actually right. And 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 and, and our leaders told them to do it, and we're paying them for that. Um, so where I was going is I don't see a decade of peace and stability. Um, if you joined an organization and everybody was on coke and not sleeping and binge drinking and not exercising, you probably would come to the conclusion that if you wanted a stable business model that was that had any chance of being executed on, <laughs> you should probably replace the current leadership because guess what? <laughs> binge drinking cokeheads that don't sleep don't tend to produce the best outcomes. 
many of our elected leaders act like at best, at best, binge drinking cokeheads um, that don't get any sleep. So yeah, I I I think gold is in good shape. Could it drop a hundred bucks? Absolutely. W- would it worry me? Absolutely not. It closed at sixteen eighty one this week. It's very interesting, and this is something that you know. Again, I've called for for years. Um, I I've said gold will go up with the dollar. Will go up with the stock market. The reason I'm not worried about gold pulling back is it actually pulled back with the dollar. And I was if you say, how about the dollar? Yeah. Exactly. It's back down to ninety six ninety six below the ninety seven level. It was just a few months ago. It, it looked like, you know, it had broken out over 100 and it was ready to go higher. And so the, 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 these markets, you know, they're, they're talking to you. They're going up in tandem. Gold is, the dollar is, um, the bond market. If you look at that, right, we see rates trickling back up. And the pullbacks have also been so far, so far, pretty orderly, pretty orderly. The dollar pulled back on what? More stimulus from the ECB, which was announced this week. Um, that's the policy. That's the policy. If, you know, let, let's forget all the madness that's going on. Um, let's talk markets. The official policy of central bankers around the world is stimulus. Print money, buy bonds, backstop everything. And if that's the case, then again, we have to look at which balance sheet is the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry basket. I'm going to keep using that, right? Um, and, 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 and that leads me to believe that the dollar has... Uh, a, a lot of runway from here. I think this pullback is temporary. I think gold and the dollar will turn together and move back up higher. And yeah, I also think the stock market's likely continue, likely continues, um, you know, up higher. It's made a mockery of even Mr. Buffett, right? The great Oracle who who sold his airline stocks, you know, fifty percent ago. Oh, I've seen the Momo boys declare at the end of the <laughs> Buffett era. I mean, this guy's done. He's over. Doesn't know what he's talking about. Can't listen to him anymore. Wait till their algorithms don't work. And that's coming, everybody. <laughs> that that long answer was my long way of saying that volatility is not done. This is a temporary break in uh, a temporary glitch in the matrix. It'll be back. You'll see. Uh, You'll see. Yep. I was buying a little little volatility today. There you go. There you go. Speaking of volatility, um, I don't want to end on this note, but I have to ask Nick. Um, the people protesting obviously are putting themselves in harm's way, not just from um, aggressive, overly aggressive at times police departments, but obviously from COVID-19, we are starting to see hospitalizations in New York trickle back up. Uh, my wife and I have been, you know, tiptoeing out a little at a time and decided this past week, we're probably going to tiptoe back in for another week or two because obviously we want to be careful. We have children, we have uh, loved ones around us, and we want to make sure we're safe for ourselves and for them. But do you think that you know, we see a spike in, in, in cases and hospitalizations and infection rate after, you know, frankly, just thousands and millions of people gathering for, for, for a great cause, but at risk to themselves and not just from cops. Well, we're seeing, uh, thankfully, much more testing now. And, and with the testing, we've seen the uh, infection rate sort of level off. So that's a good sign. Uh, nonetheless, over the past couple of days, as you mentioned, we've seen cities with a couple of spikes in cases. I saw, uh, and I haven't had a chance to look closely, but yesterday there was like 57 new uh, cases in Spokane. And that's a lot, Gerardo, because we only had like five or 600 throughout the entire past couple of months. And hmm. so, um, yeah, it, it's still around. And so, you know, uh, what's coronavirus now with all the other news and the thing? I haven't had my... 
I as close on that ball as I should, but I was doing some some reading. The virus is obviously uh, mutating in, in Italy. There was one thing I was reading that uh, some of the mutations, um, it's mutating not as deadly. Um, but certainly the recipe is there for um, uh, a spike in infections over the next couple of weeks. And that's something to keep an eye on. I think Brazil just passed Italy yesterday or today to become the the nation with the the third most cases, and so yeah, look, I mean, uh, coronavirus is is out of the news, but it's it's certainly not um, out of the sphere of things that we still have to deal with um, in 2020, which uh, includes murder hornets and, as I saw today, vast amounts of poisonous frogs on the road in Florida. So. Um, lots of stuff still out there to do. Stadium-sized asteroids coming within miles of the Earth. Now I know it wasn't literally miles. It was a lot of it was miles, but it was a lot of miles. But I just thought that was incredibly symbolic for the first two quarters of 2020. I am hopeful and optimistic that we see enough progress um, in the second half on all fronts to encourage more smiles and more laughter. Um, we shall see. We want to. I, I want to talk green shoots in the copper market. You know, I, 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 I've long said that the next logical step for an easy stimulus package that both parties in our country can agree on is going to be a massive multi-trillion-dollar infrastructure package. I, 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 I've said that I thought copper was sniffing that out. You know, over over a month ago, and here we are at you know two fifty-five copper. So it's. Um, it's it's responded well. I mean, if I look at a six month chart, the lows two oh eight, sitting here at two fifty five, the high is two eighty four, and that's actually a one year high. So not too far off there. I would not be surprised if um if 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 that's in the works. And I know the administration has alluded to that um several times, although they are becoming as big a market cheerleader as uh the permeable bros, as you call them. Um, yeah, uh, well, I, I don't know too much about copper, but you know, the just the other week, I, I was I was questioning lithium, right? And all it took for me was to question lithium for the for the lithium space to have a, a one or two week rally here. And so I wasn't going to bring it up, but yeah, that, that that's that's entirely uh, fine with me. And just I guess the last thing I would say is when you get a gold bull market, that is. Uh, a, a bull market for the right reasons and has the cor- correct upward trajectory that spawns other resource bull markets, right? I mean, you're no stranger to rare earths either. And so that occurred um, alongside uh, the, the last gold cycle we had. And so, um, you know, they're not the first to move. It has to be established by gold, but um, at some point they're going to come along, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said, Nick. Um Folks, it's it's an hour and ten minutes for for any of you that are still listening. Um, you know, we appreciate it. We appreciate the feedback. We don't have to agree. Uh, we love the dialogue. I absolutely do. I know Nick does as well. Um, and keep writing in. You know, it, it's been an interesting week. I mean, we had um, the lady that wrote in. I spoke to somebody in Australia this week that mentioned you know they listen to the podcast every week and i then spoke to a subscriber um or or a former subscriber of one of the newsletters and a current subscriber of resource stock digest in edmonton he says he listens every week and so you know just shout out to everybody that that takes the time and 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 lets us um 
yell and rant and rave and talk a little bit about the markets and a lot about the things that we see wrong. Um, it's appreciated. Your time is appreciated. And, 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 and please, we, we, we appreciate um, hearing from you. So keep writing in, keep, uh, keep emailing in. We'd love to hear from y'all. Yeah, like you said, Gerardo, it's 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 nothing new around here. We've been doing this for well over a year. We saw the bizarro world then, and it's only gotten more bizarre since. Um, and so here we are. Yeah, appreciate everybody tuning in. Give yourself some credit. When did you coin the term outsider club? Oh God, twenty, I think twelve or thirteen. Uh... You know, Gerardo. I mean, and some of those articles are. Uh, talking about the rise of the warrior cops some seven years ago. So, mm. gosh, I would like to see some stuff get done. Mm. I like it. I like it. Nick, it's been a pleasure as always. Anything else you want to add to this week? No, that's it. Let me get some Friday afternoon work done before I hang it up. All right, everybody. Enjoy your week. Be kind to each other. Stand up against bullshit. Love each other and um, contribute in whatever little way you can. I'm Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 73 of Bizarro World. See ya.